Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Yes, we're back on schedule. It is Wednesday. In case you didn't know, most people are getting kind of get back to work, man. We're getting back in the routine. Good things are happening. Looks like we might survive this thing. I mean, it's, there was a time that it all seemed pretty bleak. There was some time we thought, you know what, man, Steve, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to a normal life again. And, you know, the, there will be a new normal. I know some people are kind of, a, you know, already kind of opposed to that phrase, but there are going to be some different protocols. And uh, you know, John Cohen was on the Matt Wyatt show yesterday. That's one of the things he talked about, even something as simple as doing laundry. And that they'll probably have the locker room off limits for a while and have guys kind of get dressed at home and then kind of, finish up their um you know their preparations once they get on campus but uh, it's going to be a different day and time for everybody involved for all of us around the world it's 
part of the deal. But it does look like some good things are happening. And to those that uh, are unaware, Mississippi State players will report to campus June 1st. Now, this is for voluntary summer workouts. Now, I won't be totally surprised if somebody elects to kind of wait out and come in July. And uh, one of the things, you know, in, in recent years, Mississippi State officials have done a great job getting guys on campus for that first session of summer school. That is not quite as emergent this year. And so uh, our friend Paul Jones spoke with Mississippi State Chief of Staff Dave Emmerich over the weekend, and uh, Dave is saying that most of the signees will probably join the team in July. So for that second session of summer school. So in the event that there's some names that aren't actually on the active roster right out of the gate, you know, if you start seeing some lists out there about who's here and who's not, don't panic. Doesn't mean that anything's not going to plan, but uh, with all that has happened, it is going to take some time to kind of get everything together and get these these NCAA case files handled and the clearances from the clearinghouse, all that, that there's going to be a process that has taken place. And so June 1st, that's only a few days from now, right? It's May 27th. It's only a few days from now. So you have players here. They'll uh, begin to kind of getting back in their routine. They will not be able to begin those workouts under the supervision of Tyson Brown and the strength and conditioning group until the 8th. But that said, guys will get back. They'll get tested. They'll get their physicals. And there are some guys, obviously, that had some uh, off-season surgery. So those guys, of course, will be you know, examined by medical personnel and just kind of see where they are and see if there are any limitations for them during the summer. So lots taking place. Uh, there is uh, some other big news around the country. I don't know if you're aware of this. Walt Disney World announced that they will reopen on July 11th. Epcot comes a few days later, but Disney World, Magic Kingdom, the happiest place on earth, reopening on July 11th. You know, when Disney World closed, that's when you know things are really, 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 really serious. When Disney World closes, because they don't close for anything. So we're beginning to see some things open up, and uh, th this is not insignificant. You know, when Disney World, with all of the, in, in such a litigious society, you got to think Disney World would not open up unless they felt really, really strongly that they were not putting themselves into a position of uh, liability when it comes to guests. And I'm eager to see how that is handled. Will all of the uh, Disney World workers wear masks? Is there going to be, you know, what type of protocols are going to take place? I can't begin to imagine having to clean that park regularly to ensure that there, are, there aren't issues. And, of course, there are some studies coming out now saying that uh, the virus doesn't live long outside of the host. So we're living and learning. We're living and learning. So, again, the big news for you guys is not really about Disney World. It's the fact that we're taking, taking some active steps towards fall football. That's the big news there. And there are many people out there that did not think this day was coming. I think there are some people in the media that were kind of rooting for chaos, kind of rooting for the virus. And I don't quite understand why. And there are some people out here that just have this fatalist opinion of everything. I choose to be an optimist, and I have felt all along that we would play football, not just because of the fact that we would figure some things out, but because of the economic impact. You could bankrupt a company, the entire country. If you don't play football, my goodness. What do we do? You know, I mean, they're, they're just such a tourist industry that is related to 
to college sports, and we have gone through this many, many times. I'm not going to do it again today. But, again, very, very happy that we're going to have some players back on campus. And, listen, that's going to stop a lot of the silliness, too, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Getting those guys back, getting them into a routine. Athletes love a routine, and it's not just football. Men's basketball, women's basketball, they will return to campus and begin their preparations for fall sports, too. You know, that's the thing about – people forget this about basketball. And we talk so much about how football has become, you know, kind of a year-round job. It's like that for every sport now. There's off-season conditioning. There's voluntary workouts. There's all this, you know, like softball and baseball that they play in other leagues. And uh, Gene Swindoll had a story a few days ago about there's going to be an intercollegiate league in Meridian this year. Some of your Mississippi State players are going to play there. Don't know if it's going to be open to the public or not. We'll see. I would like to go. I'd like to go see some of our guys, get some pictures, maybe get some interviews, that sort of stuff. But we're beginning to see sports creep their way back into our lives. And uh, we welcome all of that with open arms. Bulldog Burger Company will welcome you too. They're happy to serve you. Bulldog Burger Company, a great place to go have a great meal for a great price with great service. Bulldog Burger Company, now with two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and then on Gloucester Street in Tupelo, Mississippi. Wonderful people, wonderful food. You're going to get a great restaurant-quality hamburger. It's one of the great delicacies in life. You'll be able to sit. It's one thing to get a fast-food burger, but nothing really compares to that great restaurant-quality burger you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company. Encourage you to go by. Let them serve you. There's still some social distancing requirements, but you can now go in and you can have a meal right there at Bulldog Burger Company, but you can still have curbside service. They've kind of perfected that process. You know what I'm saying? If you want to get it to go, you can bring that restaurant goodness right to your home and sit it right down on the dinner table, and it'll be just as good. You won't have the same ambiance and atmosphere, and you won't have somebody else to uh, to come around and fill up your drinks for you. So I always encourage you to eat there, but if you're not comfortable doing that, you know what? Bring that stuff home. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T want to get into some scheduling talk today reached out to a couple people yesterday you know because there are some uh there is some chatter in the wind about the days of the big non-conference weekend athletically might be over with temporarily and what i mean by that is you recall last year mississippi state brought in oregon state for baseball and then we went to long beach state there are some administrators in college athletics that are, that are willing to go on the record and say, you know what, this is something we need to look at. With all of the concerns right now, it's, it's, they relate to travel, not to mention all of the financial strain that many athletic departments are going to, to suffer going forward. I am told by Mississippi State officials that Mississippi State has a rather significant rainy day fund. But those funds are not infinite. You know, at some point, those are going to run out, and you're going to have to replenish that. We never expected to have this particular situation. There are a lot of other athletic departments around the country that don't have the financial wherewithal that a Mississippi State does. And that's not to say that Mississippi State, number one, is, is unbelievably wealthy. We don't have some huge endowment like, you know, say a Texas m or Texas does. But Mississippi State, historically, very good stewards of our money. But these smaller programs, especially in the G5, does it make sense for them to send their teams all around the country uh, you know, to go play 
a non-conference game. Well, if the check is right, if it makes financial sense, then yes. But when you begin to look at what, but when you look at what is being said at this point about, you know, putting players on airplanes and flying them around the country and kind of exposing them to other to other people, uh, there is some uh, concern. There is some discussion that the conference USA and the Sun Belt Conference is discussing a bit of a non-conference scheduling alliance where they would kind of divide the uh, the two conferences in half and then have, you know, the Western teams play the Western teams and the Eastern teams play the Eastern teams. Well, that makes sense. And so I begin to think, okay, what does this mean for a school like Mississippi State for college baseball? Because we like to bring in teams like Oregon, Oregon State, uh, we like to have those big national names come in. We're going to turn big numbers anyway, but, you know, we're not scared to play anybody. But also, too, it gives you a chance to kind of get an RPI boost. Gives you a chance to be rewarded for playing, you know, a national-level team on the road or at home. And so there may be a situation where the pause button is hit on some of that. Because they're not just because of the financial aspect of it, just because of the fact that it just makes better sense to bus many of these student athletes rather than them jumping on a jet airplane and flying across the country to go play a game. And so when you begin to calculate the risk and you calculate the financial aspects of all of this, there are a lot of people that are kind of sitting down saying, hey, let's talk about this. And it's too late to do anything about football for this year. But I think that you're going to see a very drastic change, at least temporarily, in some of these scheduling. You know, as people say, well, you know, I don't understand why we have to play the games against all these cupcakes. I think you're going to see more of those games in the SEC because of the fact that uh, you're going to play teams that think a little more regionally. Does that mean that the SWAC schools come back onto the schedule at, say, Mississippi State and even perhaps at Ole Miss? I think there's a real possibility that's going to happen. Because of the fact that uh, you know you, you, those games pay the bills, you know when we had Jackson State for Dan Mullen's uh, debut, it was a big game, and there were Jackson State brought a lot of people. And then we played Alcorn. We didn't play Valley, but but we may. And so when you begin to think about what makes sense for Mississippi State, you know what options are going to be available. You know then do we get into a bidding war? you know, would say in Auburn or Alabama that says, hey, listen, why don't you guys play Alabama State? You can have them. We're not interested in playing them. And so I think as a result, you're going to see more of these cupcake games that go that are played at 11 a.m. that everybody hates. But, again, I believe that's going to be temporary. Now, Mississippi State, especially, uh, you know, Scott Strickland did a good job, you know, kind of scheduling, basically scheduling Mississippi State a bowl game. You know, we, we went out and signed winnable non-conference contracts and did a good job of winning those games. Dan Mullen, outside of the South Alabama game, won every non-conference game he was supposed to win. Probably a couple bowl games in there. We can look back and say, you know what, we probably should have won those. But all that being said, I think we're going to see more discussions. You know, just earlier this week, you saw that I guess Ole Miss announced a, uh, a deal with South Alabama. A home-and-home, home, no doubt. And as some people kind of snicker about that, you know, we went down there and played in Mobile too. And so I suspect that they're going to, you're going to see a lot more of that for SEC teams. When you begin to even think about basketball, 
You know, it's one thing the money that football attracts. It's another thing for baseball because many times it becomes a three-day weekend deal. But in basketball, it's a one-game one deal. You're getting on a plane, you're flying across the country, you play a game, you come back. There's a lot of expense involved with all that. And then when you break it down, even look at, you know, at the conference. It's one of the things that I give Dave Murray a lot of credit for. Dave has brought up several times. You know, when you look how spread out Conference USA is. You know, and it's not just about football. You know, you still have to pack up and send your volleyball team. You still got to put your softball team on a plane and go fly them and all their staffers up there to go play a game. Does that make a lot of financial sense for smaller schools? And the answer to that question is more times than not, no. And so I think as a result, there's going to be a huge shift in how things are scheduled. It's one of the things that I think about with all this, especially on the baseball side of it, is you know we're going to draw fans, but what about these smaller schools? And you know we've heard that Furman and Bowling Green have planned to fold their baseball programs. Had somebody else tell me that they were kind of debating that anyway before all of this happened, and that once the the global pandemic happened and there's the you know the financial shortfall, that it kind of gave them the impetus or the excuse to kind of move forward with that. When we speak about the financial aspect of things, you know, there's a lot of discussion. I think Iowa announced yesterday that they're only going to allow season ticket holders to attend. I think you're going to see a lot of programs follow in that same vein. And one of the main reasons why is because of uh, contact tracing. Let's say we have a, you know, an outbreak that happens, you know, God forbid, you know, at an SEC stadium. Well, you know, if, if this person tests positive, then all of a sudden, where have you been? Oh, well, I went to a football game at Alabama. Oh, well, what section did you sit in? Because now we've got to test all those people. You know, and so I think that's an aspect of it. They're going to want a written record of kind of who's in attendance. And I know that seems like an intrusion on our personal liberties, but that's the world in which we live in right now. And you're going to have smaller crowds. They're going to be people that are going to stay home. And so that's less ticket revenue because I don't think there's going to be many stadiums that are going to allow that single-serving ticket. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think you're just going to be able to walk up on game day and go buy a ticket there will be some of that that, you know, people will buy from individuals or, you know, people will you know, sell their tickets to a scalper or whatever. And so there will be you know, kind of a, uh, you know, a, a, a lack of uh, accountability in a chain of custody. You know what I'm saying? It goes from uh, you, the ticket buying public, to a scalper and then to somebody else. And so there's no written record of that transaction. So that, but that will be minimal. But when you begin to think about all these things in their totality, it's less people coming to ball games less people buying popcorn and so that all trickles down athletically well who do you think pays the, the who buys those tickets to put the softball team to go fly to west virginia to go play well all that comes you know, football and men's basketball largely pays the bills and in baseball it's profitable at mississippi state as well and so it's one of those things you kind of have to consider when you look at all this, if there's not as much of – if the pie is not quite as big, uh, everybody, every sport within the athletic department is then somewhat affected. So that means less travel. That means less of a guarantee to other teams. They're looking for games. And so be prepared for that. So strength of schedule for a lot of people is going to go down tremendously. The next step in that process that kind of – has me scratching my head just a little bit. What does this do for regional seating? And what I mean by that is like the NCAA regional in, in baseball. You know, in the past, 
you'd have like an ACC and an SEC team, like if there's a – just like when State went to Florida State as a two-seed a couple times. Well, that makes sense because geographically we're pretty close. But what does that mean for Oregon State? You know, let's say Oregon State's the lowest-rated two-seed and they get sent somewhere else. The bigger question is, do we go back to these pods? Do we go back to these NCAA regional pods – Whereas it's, it's almost reminiscent of the district playoffs we used to have, you know, in the infancy of the NCAA baseball tournament where we would go to Gastonia, North Carolina, and we would play, you know, the, the representatives of the other conferences within our district. Are we going to see kind of a return to that temporarily? You know, I don't think it's good for the game, but I, I could see that being part of the criteria when you get ready to, to, uh, to see the NCAA tournament. And I think in many ways it makes it a little less equitable. Because let's say, for an example, that all the great teams are in the South. Well, then you've got us all button heads and you've got some team out from the West that hadn't really played anybody uh, that kind of gets a cakewalk into the College World Series. And so those are things, those are difficult questions that have to be asked and answered uh, by the NCAA Baseball Committee. What happens with all of that? Because there are going to be a lot of precautions taken. And I think, too, that there are going to be a lot less fans willing to travel outside of their regular traveling footprint. And so, you know, just like when Cal State Fullerton came here a few years ago, do you really think that a lot of those fans outside of the parents are going to make that trip this year to Mississippi State? I'd say probably not. Do you think there's a lot of Mississippi State fans that are willing to get in a plane right now and fly to California to go watch a baseball team play? I mean, if you don't have a, a student athlete in your family, I would say probably not. And so I think that becomes a factor. And so this global pandemic, I think, is going to impact a lot of things when we get ready to go to a ball game based on who we play, where we play, and how many of us go attend that ball game. I think that is very much something that is in the conversation. And I think there are a lot of people around there that are trying to figure out what is the right solution. Because it's, you know, at the end of the day, the NCAA is a business. College athletics is a business. It is a essentially a fundraising tool for many schools to raise money for athletics. And there are a lot of people that are, you know, without a conference affiliation that are not able to field these teams. And so what's the right answer? I don't have it just yet, but I believe that there's going to be a ton of people that are going to look to get out of these contracts, and they're probably going to have to have somebody within the NCAA to kind of assist to help some of these people complete some of these schedules. Because, I mean, if, if you're a small team out there, and, and uh, let's say for an example, that, you know, let's say a team like Washington has a non-conference team out there and there's a huge guarantee. Well, you know, Washington, if they could beg out of that guarantee and maybe play somebody from Idaho, save them a lot of money, save them a lot of travel, that's probably a decision that, that everybody could agree with. Let's say Nickel State decides, you know what, we've got a chance to go play Tulane instead of going to the University of Washington. Uh, the guarantee is not the same, but the risk isn't either. I think it's worth talking about. The, uh, the top ten list, I've had several people reach out, especially about the last one about the transfers. My little helper that came up with the, uh, the transfer list, I find out later – that they were thinking, well, what about transfers that left the Mississippi State program? You know, which are the top ten transfers that left? Well, that's not a rabbit hole that I want to go down. 
that person was being a little bit sarcastic. I didn't realize it at the time. I, I missed it. I didn't sniff it. I didn't sniff it. Uh, but that said, a lot of reaction to that list. I had a lot of people message me. A lot of people on Twitter and on a jeanspage.com message board said, Steve, probably should have included J.P. France. You know, we had a great run with him. That is absolutely true. Probably should have put him in there instead of Mark Goforth. I was struggling a little bit there. Uh, but I really like Mark Goforth. He was not a great offensive player. But I, I could certainly agree to make that switch and have Goforth in the honorable mentions and then have J.P. France uh, in the top ten. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of reactions, and a lot of people really liked the list. A lot of people said, you know what, Steve, that was a great idea, and thank you so much. It really wasn't my idea. It was somebody else's idea, and they miscommunicated it to me, my little helper. Uh, but it worked out well. So, And that led to some other people saying, you know what, Steve, there's Joe Reed and then Joe Fortunato. We had a lot of other players back in the day. And you know what a fan I am of Bulldog sports history. So I appreciate people reaching out, sharing their opinions. I never take that personally. You know, people say, Steve, you're just such an idiot. Well, that's a little bit personal. But how could you forget this person or that person? But I do enjoy the discussion, and I'm glad that you guys enjoy it. We're going to go back to music today. This person asked not to be identified. They said, Steve, I like the music top tens you do because it's, it's one of those things. It reminds me of some songs that I haven't listened to in a while, and I'll go back and pull them up and put them on my playlist. And um, when I'm working out at the gym, I listen to these things. This person said, hey, listen, you don't have to use my name, but let's talk Led Zeppelin. And I'm all about getting the let out. Really love Led Zeppelin. I do. If I had to be honest with you, I think, I believe, Led Zeppelin is the greatest rock and roll band of all time, regardless of country of origin. And I know some people would disagree. They say, well, Steve, what about the Beatles? Look, I get it. I understand it. I respect the Beatles, too. I just think that Led Zeppelin rocks harder from start to finish the catalog. They didn't have their doo-wop days. You know what I'm saying? And I get it. I get it. I know there were some big hits for the Beatles, and I've got some friends of mine. i got one particular that's a huge Beatles fan. He'll be texting me after he hears this saying, dude, stop hating on the Beatles. Not hating on them. I just like Led Zeppelin more. There will be others, Dave Murray being one of them, that will say, Steve, what about the Rolling Stones? Again, I tremendous amount of respect for the Rolling Stones love the Stones just like Led Zeppelin more and one of the things I loved about Led Zeppelin is there was a little bit of mystery in everything that they did I mean you go back they 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 studied Moroccan music they got involved with reggae they did everything a little bit different but lyrically a lot of cryptic writing some unbelievably great instrumentation so here, in my mind, I'm going to give you a few honorable mentions and some songs that didn't make the list that I still wanted to talk about. You know, some of you young guys and gals that are uh, rap music fans, that's not really my cup of tea. I'll listen to it a little bit, but I'm not, that's not really my thing. The, whoever was the genius behind the uh, License to Ill Beastie Boys album, you should go back and listen to that, young people. Go back, go listen to the Beastie Boys' first album. The whole catalog is great. Paul's Boutique, all, it's, all of it's great. But License to Ill changed everything. And there was so much more to that album than just you got to fight for your right to party. And there are a couple of Led Zeppelin songs that were mixed in that made the honorable mention. The Ocean is a tremendous song. The Beastie Boys sampled that for their, their song, She's Crafty, She Gets Around, She's Crafty, She's Always Found, She's Crafty, and That's All Right, She's Crafty, and That's Just My Type. Uh, so 
you can hear some elements of that. Also, another Beastie Boys sample deal, the Levy Breaks off of Led Zeppelin 4. Tremendous song. Great, great, great percussion. They, they stole that. Well, back then it was legal. Before all the sampling stuff went into uh, to, to law. Ramen and Stieglin. They did that for Ramen and Stieglin, which is one of the best songs on the Licensed Ill album. So, other Led Zeppelin phase that didn't make the list. All My Love, a song that Robert Plant uh, wrote to his uh, dearly departed son that died very early. And uh, it's a very personal song. And uh, you can hear that as you listen to it. Babe, I'm going to leave you. I think it's perhaps the best true ballad in the Led Zeppelin catalog. And then the Gallows Pole. That, that's one that kind of gets lost. People don't talk about that one quite as much. Now, my top ten is probably different than most because uh, I like to get a little deeper into the catalog. I don't necessarily always listen to all the singles. That's the thing about Led Zeppelin is you put on Led Zeppelin 4, Led Zeppelin 1, and every song sounds like a radio hit. But here's my top ten. Number ten on my list, and again, my list is wrong. See, I, I, I tricked you there. My list is right. Your list is wrong. You can have your list because this is America. You've got the right to be wrong. Many of you exercise that regularly. Mm-hmm. Number 10 on my list is Living, Loving, Made, She's Just a Woman. You know, as they played on the album, it goes from Heartbreaker right into Living, Loving, Made. I, I love the guitar on this song. Uh, I think it's an underappreciated Led Zeppelin classic. I think Robert Plant's vocal work on that is just immense. Okay, uh, number nine on the list, because you know Led Zeppelin at its core is a blues band, right? It's traveling Riverside Blues. I absolutely love the song. It, I think it's been used on motion picture soundtracks for 50 years, it seems. That's one that the casual Led Zeppelin fan doesn't know the name of, but they've heard it a million times. And it doesn't get played on the radio near enough, you know, because they, they basically nowadays on classic rock radio, they just pluck the same four or five Led Zeppelin songs. This is one that deserves more airplay. So call up your local radio station, those of you that still listen to terrestrial radio, and ask them to play Travel Under Riverside Blues from Led Zeppelin. Number eight, a song with a great story. It's Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? So what's interesting is this was released as a B-side. Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? was not on an album. It was released as a B-side to the Immigrant Song way back in 1970 and then was on the Led Zeppelin box set that was released in 1990. And that was was like the beginning of that whole trend about the box set, was when Led Zeppelin did it. It was huge, and they added that previously unreleased song as a single, and uh, it was on Radio Play around the country. Uh, It's a a great song. It's a sad song, but uh, it's about a guy married to a girl or uh, involved with a girl that uh, gets a little too deep in the jug. Number seven, I love because of its, uh, its difference. You know, it's one of those songs. It's kind of a mystic song for them. It's no quarter. Uh, close the door, turn out the light. No, they won't be home tonight. I absolutely love the song. Uh, it's been, it was re-recorded by Tool. I love their version as well. Difficult to find, but uh, did a great job on it. Uh, Maynard James Keenan, tremendous. Number six, and that's just when we kind of get into the classics. Because this is where the arguments kind of break out, right? Number six for me is a whole lot of love. There's some people that like that one a little bit more. I love it too, but I love what's in the top five even more, even though one of the songs in my top five probably wouldn't make most people's top 20 list. But a whole lot of love, great tune, classic, 
great Led Zeppelin. I mean, like if you if you were to pick like what is the quintessential Led Zeppelin song, you could make an argument for a whole lot of love. Number five on the list, another one that I love because of its, uh, you know, it's a little bit eccentric for them. It's a little different from what they normally do, but it's in the evening. I absolutely love in the evening. I think it's another one of those Led Zeppelin classic songs. It's a little bit underappreciated. Number four for me, I think this song has the greatest opening line of all time in music. Other people disagree with me. They're wrong. The opening line is, hey, hey, mama, sit the way you move, going to make you sweat, going to make you groove. And, of course, it's Black Dog. Black Dog, one of the triumph, triumphant anthems on Love's Up and Four. Black Dog, tremendous song. Uh, it's just one of those things. You, you, there's so many great one-liners in that. The lyrics are very, very interesting. But it's just a great rock song. Number three, another one of those songs that uh, kind of brings in, you know, kind of the range of Led Zeppelin is Cashmere. And uh, people forget, too, that uh, what Sean Puffy Combs, P. P. Diddy, whatever we're calling him nowadays, uh, for the Gorilla, the Godzilla soundtrack, he redid a song that, uh, you know, and they even had Jimmy Page on guitar that they basically sampled Cashmere. Uh, there are some songs in life I don't think you mess with, and that's one of them. I just... It'd be one thing to cover it, and I'm not even a big fan of some of that, but you know, to use it, you know, I don't know. I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of the Beastie Boys using them either. But I think it, it may, maybe it worked a little bit better. Um, I guess that, that Sean Puffy Combs song was uh, Come With Me. I think that's what it is. Now we get into the real argument here, because I, I think everybody would agree these are probably the top two songs, but in what order do you go? Number two is rock and roll for me. And I think it has one of the greatest openings of all time in rock. I mean, you just got John Bonham out there just wrecking the drums. And uh, Jimmy Page comes right in. And uh, everybody has sang this or covered this at some point. Whenever they had the big jam sessions at rock shows, they, uh, this is the one they all get up and do is rock and roll. But I don't know how you could have any song other than the lemon song no i'm joking if you did, if you didn't have stairway to heaven at number one I, I don't i don't know how uh you live life stairway to heaven is uh, arguably the greatest song ever recorded by a major recording artist and uh listen you can make your arguments for for many others stairway to heaven is an iconic classic uh a bit overplayed at times but um it is an absolute masterpiece I don't know how anybody couldn't listen to Stairway to Heaven every time it comes on. Like every every, there are some songs that you just have a reaction to and you grab for the volume. This is one of them for me. It's Stairway to Heaven, uh, and I really like the, the Jimmy Page guitar solo on it. It's uh, it's incredible. It's a cautionary tale. One of the again greatest songs ever recorded. Our good friends at Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show. Good people. Good products. Good prices. If you can't make it to town, and you darn well should, go by and see them. Go see Stan the Man and uh, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. If you can't get by and see them, you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Who knew you would listen to this show and save yourself some money? You can do that. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Mom, Dad, report cards are coming in, 
And uh, if you're like my kid, my kid made all A's and B's and really proud. And uh, rather than get another video game, he's like, hey, Dad, I want to get a new outfit. I want to get some other stuff. And so we're going to go to Campus Bookmark. We're going to take care of that. We're going to go right down there and see them and we'll let him pick out whatever he wants and reward him. It's grade reward time, right? Visit the folks at Campus Bookmark. Let your kids pick out some new Mississippi State gear. You're going to need it because you're going to be going to games this fall. Let the kids pick it out. Again, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So, some women's hoops news yesterday. Big news, Robbie Falk breaking the news. Our colleague, Robbie Falk, who has kind of stayed on this Madison Hayes thing for some time. A lot of people worried that she would leave us and follow Vic Schaefer to Texas, and uh, and that's, that hasn't happened. She announces yesterday that she's going to stick with Mississippi State. I don't know that there was a lot of you know angst and you know, anxiety about all this. I think initially – that's the, the, the reaction you have right out of the gate is, oh, my gosh, you know, we've lost one signee to her, to, to Vic uh, and the staff. Will Madison go as well? And uh, she likes to stay on. Mississippi State then sends out a video of several of your great Mississippi State women's basketball players congratulating Madison Hayes on graduating from high school and inviting her to, uh, to get on out here to Stark Vegas and begin uh, her career as a Bulldog. And so all of that happens around the same time. So that is something now we can kind of stand down about. Uh, it was a big deal for some time. And uh, Rob, I give Robbie credit. Robbie stayed in contact with Madison and her mom pretty regularly just to kind of get stay apprised of things. And, uh, and there just never really seemed to be a lot of anxiety about that. There was some things within the fan base. You know, we can kind of whip ourselves up into an emotional frenzy pretty quickly. Uh, without facts and when there is uh you know that black hole when you're kind of devoid of facts people get all been out of shape and, and they want to fill that vacuum with their own alternative facts they think oh well nobody's saying anything the world must be about to end no that's not the case there's sometimes there's just nothing new to know not to mention madison hayes had signed with mississippi state and so you know i don't, I don't think she felt the need to put another public statement out there I don't, I don't get the sense and and Robbie kind of shared some of this with me yesterday too she's not one that wants to draw a lot of attention to herself you know she just kind of wants to just do her business and go on and the longer that deal went I think we all felt better about Madison you know because all of a sudden we make a hire and Nikki gets involved Nikki known as one of the best recruiters in all of women's college basketball they begin to kind of work with her and I think it's important to understand you can never fully appreciate how important the commitment is to the other players and what I mean by that is is that throughout the process once they begin to bond with other players on the team or in the class it's difficult to back out of that esprit de corps what I mean by that is they're not just committed to Mississippi State they're committed to each other. And I think you kind of saw that in the video. If you haven't seen it, it's, uh, it's out there on the uh, Mississippi State Women's Basketball Facebook page and Twitter account. I retweeted it if you're looking for it. Um, but when you have that, it's difficult for another coach to kind of come in and say, you know what, yeah, they've got the bond with the staff because recruiting is all about relationships. But at the end of the day, it's a lot farther from Chattanooga, Tennessee to Austin, Texas than it is historical Mississippi. I know I have made both drives multiple times and so I think the bonds built and the recruiting relationships built with the entire Mississippi State women's basketball program were just too difficult for uh, for Vic and those guys to overcome now there are some other stories that we're tracking for women's basketball not ready to put any names out 
just yet, but Robbie tells me that uh, there's a couple of other uh, things that we're watching in relation to some potential grad transfers that could come in and make the team better and uh, another transfer. And so we're watching those situations, and uh, we hope to have some information sooner rather than later. But we're not done adding to the roster. That's, that's, that's the big story there. Mississippi State, Nikki McCray, still looking to add to the women's basketball roster to get better this year and in following years. We're not just trying to gear up for one big run uh, to try to make everybody feel good. You know, we're, we're, again, we're trying to maintain and then kind of build for the long haul. And so uh, there will be some new names on the roster between now and the fall. With reporting dates a little bit different right now, you know, we're not playing, you know, we're not going to play a women's basketball game for, for a few more months. There's not this big sense of urgency to kind of get somebody in for some workouts just yet. You know, we'd like for them to be here. This is something that I think could probably take on through the summer and they'll be here and enroll for, uh, for fall classes. And so if we can get it done in June, then that's great because they can be here for July summer classes and, uh, and go ahead and kind of get integrated in, into the Bulldog way. But be mindful of that, those of you that are very, very big women's basketball fans. Not done with recruiting. Not done. The Madison Hayes thing is a big hurdle, but there are still some other steps uh, to be taken to finalize uh, this roster. Uh, One of the things I want to share, too, and I don't want to get into a lot of details about this, but uh, there are a lot of people that, uh, you know, that felt really betrayed you know, when Vic Schaefer decided to take the job at Texas. And listen, I think every bit of that is valid. But my hope is that we don't forget the fact that we shared some really good memories together with the Schaefers. And uh, namely Blair. I mean, you know, Blair Schaefer played here in Starkville, graduated with Starkville High, and then uh, spent four years here at Mississippi State. It was a big part of things. And we made some big moments with her. And so she is a bulldog. She will always be a bulldog. No matter who she collects a check from, uh, she's a bulldog. And uh, I love her, love them all that have come through here. And so my hope is, and this is a sincere hope of mine, is that as things fade a little bit, as the, the pain of letting go and seeing Big Schaefer go somewhere else and put on a burnt orange tie and all that sort of stuff, that some of our feelings will kind of, you know, maybe rest a bit. Because I get it, you know, it's a business for a lot of people. But Blair Schaefer is a bulldog. Blair Schaefer wore the maroon and white throughout her college career. She got a degree here at Mississippi State. She'll always be a Mississippi State alum. She'll always be, uh, you know, the player that hit that big three against South Carolina that sent the hump into hysterics. And so... There are some people that, uh, you know, that sometimes, I don't know if it's, a, if it's just emotional explosion or alcohol or whatever, there are some people that get on social media and they've got a lot of things to say and that sort of stuff, and I get it. But, you know, my hope is let's get into the season, especially now this Madison Hayes thing is over. Because, like, if Madison Hayes had gone to Texas, it would have stirred all that stuff up again. But Nikki McRae is our basketball coach now on the women's side of things. And so I think it's important for us to throw our support behind Nikki McRae and not, you know, have this war of words, uh, you know, with Vic. You know, Vic did a great 
thing when he was here. He made us love women's college basketball. That was some, We didn't know we were women's basketball school and fan base until they got here. I mean, honestly. I mean, yeah, we'd come out and turn out some when Latoya and Tan were here, but by and large, there wasn't a big commitment. It wasn't a must-see experience or appointment uh, television for Mississippi State fans. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're not just our players, but they're our friends. You know, you got it's, – it's Morgan. It's Tory. It's Blair. It's Chenway. They're going into the crowd, and they're taking pictures with your kids, and then they, they, they become Facebook friends with your kids. And so I don't think that any of that should be lost. You know, can we maintain where we are? I think so. Now, Vic Schaefer, a tremendous coach, he didn't, he didn't lose anything coaching ability-wise just because he uh, elected to go to Texas. So I hope my hope is, again, that uh, we will not let the bitterness of that disappointment of seeing Vic and, and Holly and the family leave Starkville uh, taint our view of them in hindsight, but also, too, specifically Blair, and then distract us from putting our support behind Nikki McRae. Nikki McRae picked up an opportunity to go to a national power as a head women's basketball coach. Uh, she has paid her dues, and I have talked to John Cohen multiple times, and he has said, you know what, Steve, here's the deal. If I had 100 chances to hire a basketball coach, I would. now that I have gotten to know her even better, I would have hired her 100 times over. And so those are the things that I begin to think about. So you know what? We've grown accustomed to getting excited about women's basketball. We've grown accustomed to winning. I don't believe either one of those pursuits is going to be negatively impacted because of the fact that we change coaches. Now, there are going to be some growing pains, absolutely. But I believe Nikki McRae is going to recruit at a high level. I think just look at the recruiting job she's done already. You know, getting Rakia Jackson settled. You know, getting the current roster settled. Getting the signing class settled. You know, now we're looking to add to that. I mean, she comes in right away, and as soon as she accepts the job and signs a contract, she's got to start recruiting her own players to stay here at Mississippi State. And it's done a good job. And listen, Chloe Bibby was leaving either way, because I know right now there's some people listening to this saying, well, Steve, she didn't get Chloe Bibby to stay. Chloe Bibby was gone anyway. Chloe wanted to reboot her career. Wish her the absolute best, man. Hope she has a great career at Maryland. And if they play Mississippi State in tournament, I hope she loses. But it's not anything personal with Chloe Bibby. I don't think any less of her at all. She just wanted to reboot the situation. And what uh, wasn't a bad deal. She didn't leave town under bad circumstances. But even if Vic Schaefer returned as a coach, she was leaving. So that's not a uh, it's not a knock at all on Nikki McRae. I mean that 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 was that situation was already you know pretty much a foregone conclusion before Nikki McRae even interviewed for the job. So she's done a great job so far. Now she'll get an opportunity to work with her team in person. Then we'll kind of see where things go from here. Listen, I want to thank you guys too. There are so many of you guys out there that uh, you know. You know, I, I'm not one that likes to get into a war of words with people. I guess I'm too old for that now, and I, I don't mean that to to suggest that I'm you know bigger or better than anybody else. But you know, there was a time in my life that uh, you know, if anybody ever said anything about me, that, of you know, they were trying to get a rise out of me, they always could. I'd always rise to the bait because I, you know. Then I finally figured out it just doesn't matter. There are some people that are going to dislike you no matter what you do. There are others that are going to like you no matter what you do. But most people kind of fall in the middle. 
And so I had these people that go out of their way. They said, send me these things. Well, this person said this about you. And here's the thing. I absolutely don't care. I mean, it means absolutely nothing to me. The dirt on the bottom of my shoes is more important than the opinions of people who have never liked me or will ever like me. I, I am not losing a wink of sleep over any of that. It just simply does not matter to me. And that's one of the things, and I, and I had a chance to visit with uh, a couple people in the media over the phone here in the last several days. You know, there's been a lot going on. And uh, it's a different day and time in Mississippi media. And I think there are some people that are really struggling to adjust to that. And I don't just mean you know, the way we get our news or how the news is reported. But, you know, for years and years and years and years and years and years and years in this state, anytime some people wanted to kind of you know, set the edge on the narrative in the news media, they'd pick up the phone, they'd call the Clarion Ledger and say, hey, listen, here's what's going on. True or untrue, that's what they would do. I could give you, give you a laundry list of people that were essentially, you know, quote, journalist, quote, journalist, Dr. Evil quotes, journalist, that would carry the water, you know, for, uh, for certain institutions in this state. And uh, a lot has changed. You know, it's one of the things that I had somebody ask me, he said, you know, Steve, you know, I remember the day when Rick Cleveland was kind of the name in uh, Mississippi sports journalism. And, you know, listen, I don't know your opinions of Rick Cleveland, but I think I grew up reading Rick and Bobby Cleveland. And uh, when I see Rick, you know, listen, I understand that our allegiances are not the same, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for Rick Cleveland. Anybody that can stay in this industry and kind of navigate some of the difficult things that he has, you know, listen, that's worthy of your respect. Now, do I think that uh, he's got kind of a a unique, you know, fascination with Ole Miss and the Mannings, but, uh, but be that as it may, we don't have like a Rick Cleveland anymore in Mississippi journalism. We just don't. There, there is not that person nowadays that you look at and say, okay, listen, who is the guy in Mississippi? And listen, when these people do these documentaries, a lot of times they still call Rick, you know, because Rick's got a name and people have known him because it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's a career of longevity and of accomplishment. But there's not that dominant name in Mississippi print media anymore. There's just not. And I think some people are struggling because, like, they're used to, hey, well, we could always just call down there to the Clarion Ledger and they would say things, and then that would be the end of it. Well, that's not the case anymore because there are shows like this one, and there are talk radio shows in Mississippi that won't kowtow to other people because uh, of advertisers or uh, you know people that work in media relations that don't want certain people on their shows. And so I think it's important that people understand that, that it is a different day and time in media, and it's a positive direction. It is a very positive direction because – I think you need to be exposed to as much news as you possibly can so you can be as informed as you possibly could be. And there are some people out there that don't want you to have facts. They want you to only have their version of the truth. And we have seen in the last several years, their version of the truth is completely false. And so there has to be some counterbalances out there. There are some people that would like to be able to say, this is what happened. That's the end of the story. Well, I disagree with that. I disagree. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to report things at times that are going to make people uncomfortable. I think that's a better part of journalism. There is a difference between being a reporter and being a journalist. And there are a lot of people that claim to be journalists that are simply reporters. I make no illusions at all or create any type of confusion about where my loyalties lie. I am a Mississippi State guy. 
I was born and raised a Mississippi State guy. My mom and dad lived in Mississippi State marital housing when my dad was up here at Mississippi State. My dad worked at the, uh, he got a degree in agricultural economics and a minor in animal husbandry, and he worked at the Mississippi Dairy as part of work study, and he drove the street sweeper at night. So I come by it all honestly. And so I say that to say this, is that I don't care what other people's allegiances are. I am always going to report about Mississippi State. I am going to report the truth. And when people attack Mississippi State with malice, I am going to respond to that. I am going to do my best to ensure that the facts about certain things are reported. And so it doesn't matter if it's uh, your current events or long-term events. And I'll tell you, the more research that I have done is I have worked on Stark Villains, and, I, and that has been one of the greatest joys of my life is working on these, the Stark Villains books. And there will be other Stark Villain books after this one. But the more research that I do, the more that I realize how Mississippi State, in many respects, was kind of kept underfoot by the in-state media. It. <laughs> You can go to the state capitol. Go go back and look at the infancy. Go look go even to the late in the post Civil War reconstructive era, and look at how some people in the state legislature fought tooth and nail against the very creation of Mississippi State, and then after that was still established after Mississippi State was founded in 1878, there were still people in the state legislature that did all they could do to handicap the advancement of Mississippi State and the recruitment of students in Mississippi State, not just student-athletes, but students in general. So this is something that has gone on from the beginning. And so for the first time, really, ever, Mississippi State has multiple voices in the media. Multiple voices in the media. Not just this show, but I think if you look around the state right now, most of the most dominant people in in-state media are people that, at the very least, are fair to Mississippi State. They may not be Mississippi State people. They may not be Mississippi State educated. They may not be Mississippi State raised, but they're not biased against Mississippi State. Now, some could make an argument that there's sometimes there are articles that come out that are somewhat negative about Mississippi State. And the first thing that people think is, oh, well, this old Mrs. This, this old Mrs. has gotten to this person. A lot of times that's not true. Bad things happen. And they're going to be reported. And we're going to do our best to report them too. But sometimes we get beat to the punch. And there are sometimes there are some stories out there that come across. And you don't like to read negative things about people and things you love. But the reality of that is that's life. There are things that are going to happen that are negative. And so I am not going to be drawn into, you know, these personal insults and that sort of stuff. I think the work speaks for itself. That's how I feel about it. You know, I, I, I read several times over. And somebody reminded me against this morning is, you know, a, a lion never has to walk up and introduce itself to you as a lion. Just doesn't have to do that. They don't have to walk up there and say, I'm a lion. They just show up and everybody knows. Everybody has a healthy level of respect that the lion is the king of the jungle. And you know not to cross that guy. The lion doesn't have to get out there on Twitter and tweet out and, and talk about how great they are and what a good job they do. They just don't do it. They just show up and they devour whatever they want. And so, not interested in some back and forth. Now, I mean, nobody cares about an internet slap fight. And, I, and quite honestly, it's, all that stuff is beneath me. I just, I'm not trying to get involved in any of that. I'm going to report the facts. The facts will be what they are. 
they'll be reported and then you know when everything is resolved whether it be 10 years now 100 years from now uh, i think you look back on all that and you say you listen i did my best to report the truth not shape the truth not create an alternative truth you just put it out there and so you can save your text and your tweets and that sort of stuff and say hey well this person said this this about you it simply doesn't matter to me it didn't matter to me when all the ncaa stuff and the free stuff was going on it didn't matter to me because in the end when the facts were known i didn't have anything left to explain to anybody but there were some other people that did there were some other people that had a whole lot to explain i'm glad i wasn't one of them that's going to do it for today be back on friday maroon friday we're maroon until next friday Let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.